listening to the Intersect Podcast. It's me, Noah Coote, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, Michael Brinache. How you doing? Doing good. I'm, I haven't eaten dinner yet, and it's 9.24 p.m., so I'm hungry. Yeah. But we, I want to record. I have my dinner uh, ready to get warmed up, but I haven't eaten dinner yet either because uh, I play. I was playing a game, and the problem is that when I play a game, especially the game I was playing right now, it's very hard to stop because it's like one of those things where it just keeps on going. It's not Civ. Humankind? Or not Humankind, but they're both uh, exactly like that. It's City Skylines, which is a city simulation game, which, you know, you can take forever optimizing everything, putting in better road layout so you have no traffic and all that stuff and it just gets to me did you have did you have good public transportation uh i'm actually implementing uh decent public transportation right now i'm waiting for trains to be unlocked though so i can really get in on it but i have like a basic bus system going but actually you know what i have even more than public transportation what a lot of pedestrian and bike accessibility in my city which means i want to live in your city not many people actually driving around most of the people get around by either by foot or by bike and in addition to that because this game has zoning which is a thing i could rant about in the u.s so much but i try to do as much mixed zoning as possible meaning that the stores are near where you live so is places you can work you know you don't have and high density housing uh, I have not unlocked that yet, but I plan on doing a lot of high density as soon as I can. Um, cause I'm playing like the campaign mode, so you have to, uh, reach certain population milestones to unlock new stuff and whatever. Yeah. What's this game called? Cityscape? City Skylines. It's a really good game. I like it. And also it has very, very good mod support, which is what I have right now. So I got like... The super realistic uh, population simulation on, like, you need a lot more residential zoning than you would expect compared to a normal version because they don't cram three families into a tiny house because, you know, it's a game and they don't have to be realistic. No, I have a mod that changes everything like that. Nice. Wait, how how much is this game? It sounds That sounds fun. I don't know how much it is. It was on sale this weekend. It might still be on sale. Um... The problem with the game, and that's the only problem with the publisher, Paradox, which is actually a really good publisher. Um, I think they make they pu- they help publish a lot of good games from decent developers and stuff. But also, it's just um, one thing they do is they sell a lot of DLCs. It's you buy a base game, and then you got a crap ton of DLCs on top of it, which is why. Um, it's an expensive game to buy unless you're willing to get a, put a lot of time into it, which I do. It is one of my most played games out there, along with Factorio, Civ, and Humankind. What the hell's in the bundle that makes it 250 bucks? Uh, everything. Just buy the base game. The base game is already really good as it is. Uh, or maybe like that mass transit uh, aspect too, if you really want to get into that too. And it's fun. Wow. Now that's actually $250. That's insane. But most of the time you get 80% off on the DLCs whenever they're on sale. Mm. So I'm going to put that on my uh, wish list. Bucket list, yeah. Yep. Uh, good game. Um, 
Otherwise, I've also been working a lot on me stuff, like my computer project and all. I finally got my new LDAP server working, and I finally optimized a bunch of stuff for my LXC containers, which means my virtualization stack is doing even more efficiently. I don't know. That's cool. I'm moving. That's another reason, like, I'm just tired. I'm moving right now. I'm packing all my stuff. I'll be... If everything works, I will, I'll be recording next week's episode from my new apartment in Harlem. Are you living with your uh, old roommates, or...? Uh, one of them. Okay, okay. Our, our, our editor. You're living with our editor? Yes. Well, I'm not surprised to hear that. Which... I think you've been living with him for a while. or Well, you used to live with him before as a roommate yeah. in college, too. Yep. Some things, some things change, and other things just go back to the way they were. Yep. All right. Since we're both hungry, let's 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 go on to our topics. We have we have a ton of topics. Um. All right. Yesterday was the Oscars. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I was actually commenting something earlier. I don't know what happened, yeah. but like this morning, I woke up and all of a sudden I just see videos of like, what did Will Smith just do? Oh my god, Will Smith assaulted Chris Rock and stuff. I was like, what the hell? Uh, looked it up. I was just seeing, like, a gif of him on Reddit. of just him, like, punching the shit out of him. Um, well, not really punching the shit. He slapped him. It was he more s- like a slap. Slapped, he... but it, it was a pretty yes. good slap, I gotta say. But Chris Rock also took it yes. like a champ. Either, anyways, <laughs> I have no context, and I'm guessing it's just some uh, beef is happening. But, you know. Well, apparently there's been beef between uh, between uh... <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. my brain is frozen. Chris Rock and Will Smith, because Chris Rock likes to make fun of uh, Will Smith and Jada Smith like a lot, and um, so Chris Rock made a joke about um, Jada. Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith's wife, uh, she's bald right now, and he made a joke like, oh, she could be in G.I. Jane too. It's a movie reference. Um, the thing is, it's in reference to the fact that she's bald. Uh, the issue is Jada is um, has alopecia, which is a autoimmune disease, and one of the consequences of, of said disease is that you lose all your that you lose your hair. Um, so he made that joke. The audience was not was not feeling it, and Will Smith got mad and he walked on stage and slapped him in the middle middle of the oscars and at first everyone's confused they think it's a bit etc but then like will smith uh goes back to his seat after slapping them and then uh curses out uh um uh chris rock so that's the controversy Oh, and then like an hour after that happened, uh, Will Smith won uh, Best Actor for his portrayal of uh, uh, Richard Williams um, in uh, King Richard, for King Richard the movie. And Richard Williams is the father of Serena and Venus Williams. And it basically shows like how no one believed in him and yet he trained two of the best uh, female tennis players of all time. And arguably uh, Serena is the best female... uh, tennis player of all time mm-hmm. and yeah let's just let's just run through so that's the tldr i feel like the internet has ha- has made enough of a claim um will smith during his acceptance uh speech apologized to the academy 
about an hour before recording he released a public statement apologizing to chris rock uh chris rock has declined to file charges and well i'm guessing like you know it was just a spur of the moment type of thing and it's like he just felt really offended or whatever and just did action like it happens i guess and the only difference that this happened on a major televised event yeah and like his wife like i said jada is suffering uh has is suffering with alopecia so it was this it, it, it was this bad and but yeah i i was i was gonna say though just quickly i want to comment one thing um i saw also an uncensored version on japanese live uh like from a japanese t- uh, television and you could hear really? them swear. I, I saw it from uh, Australia. Yeah, but th- they basically have uncensored version out online. And the thing which I find so surprising, especially because I worked on like public broadcasting with a radio station before, is when I heard them swear on live television. Because swearing is usually a huge no-no, according to the FCC. Unless well, you have well, special so the, permission the FCC. So the FCC, so for the American version, it was a, a, a silence the recording because there's a tape delay in the United yeah. States um, for that particular reason. Well, well actually, about international... that, no. uh, you're not required to have a tape delay, but most stations will have a 30-second tape delay so they don't have to pay a fine if somebody swears. And usually what you have it's... to do is you press a button as the sound comes through and it just mutes it. Yeah. Actually, no, I think the U.S. tape delay is uh, shorter than that. I think it's like five seconds. Uh, for radio station, I set it to 30 seconds. It's honestly the station's choice. It's based on the equipment they use. But yeah. it, let's not discuss that. I just want to say that from my perspective, I found that a bit surprising because, well... Yeah, no, it was the international... I don't know. I don't think the international broadcasters have sensors like they do in the United States. So that's why you you said you heard it from, ja- uh, uh, from Japan. I saw it from a uh, Australian newscast. I mean, a uh, broadcast. Anyways, uh, yeah. Um, somebody swore on live TV and I was very surprised to see that happen. Uh, but that just means that, hey, it's probably not scripted because they would know not to do that. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyways, so like we said, um, Will Smith won uh, Best Actor, first portrayal. Um, let's go. Dune won the most awards of the night. Uh, how many did they win? I think they won like six awards. Um, and like a, a, a Netflix had a bunch of contenders although they didn't win that much except they won the best director for uh, Power of the Dog um uh let's see other things that are cool uh West Side Story Ariana DeBose and Kodas Troy Katz Kotsur became the first openly queer and deaf actors respectively to win best supporting actor slash actress uh, categories um the, so yeah, best director Jane Campion for Power of Dog, uh, best lead actress was Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Troy Kotsur for Coda, just mentioned that, um, best supporting actress Ariana DeBose, best adapted screenplay went to Coda, best original screenplay Belfast, best cinematography Dune, and best animated feature film of course is was Encanto. Um, and best sound went to Dune. Best original song, "No Time to Die" by Billie Eilish. She beat uh, Beyonce, "Be Alive," and "Dos uh, Oruguitas" from Encanto. Sorry, guys, my Spanish is bad. And yeah, and 
most importantly, the one, the award most people care about the most, Best Picture, went to Coda, an Apple TV Plus original. Which also means that I think outside of um, uh, Amazon, who got uh, Manchester by the Sea, which won Best Picture, this is the second time ever a streaming platform won Best Picture. And Netflix still hasn't won Best Picture. And it was Apple who did it. Ooh, cool. Um, actually... I wanna. Are we done talking about the Grammy Picture Award stuff? <laughs> the Oscars. Oscars. Sorry, I. You know, I actually. I don't really watch those events anymore. My I used to when my parents would, but like I don't know. It's never really. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch it yesterday. This is just. I. I missed out. I missed out. I was actually recording off the screen, so I didn't watch the the Oscars. But but uh, actually, I want to also bring up a little piece of news that reflects what we uh discussed in uh, our last recording what's up uh do you know the bill that we talked about in florida um the don't say gay bill yep it is signed by the governor now ah ron DeSantis never fails to disappoint me <sighs> anyways uh yeah if you guys have, don't remember we talked about in the last episode it it's what you cannot bring up topics related to LGBTQ within a school environment, at least not within education. And what else was it? It was just in a school environment. You're not allowed to bring it up. You're not allowed to talk about LGBTQ uh, topics or identities or any sort of that. And you can and and you can sue the teacher about if you or the school district if you hear about it. Yeah, we, we went way in depth on it last episode. So if you guys haven't heard that episode, you can go back on it, or you know you can always listen to it again if you want to remember what it was about. But just keep in mind now, uh, that bill is officially signed and passed. It's a law. Oh, well, shit. That's kind of shitty. Yeah, but talking about laws, we all know that uh, laws that have a potentially discriminatory uh, bent to them, they usually get brought up to the Supreme Court. And uh, during the past week, we had the we had the initial set of Supreme Court hearings for Ketanji Brown Jackson, who could potentially be the first female Black Supreme Court Justice of the of the United States. And also, just let's just talk about her career. She's Harvard Law uh, editor. She went to Harvard Law. She was a public defender. She was a, she's a federal judge. She has. A ton of accolades actually on paper she has the most experience of any supreme court justice that currently stands there definitely a lot more than amy coney barrett who's never a judge but whatever um but there was a confirmation hearing and oh boy uh where to begin it was a heavy one uh, uh i just i know it was a heavy one uh, let's go with uh, let's go with everyone's least favorite senator, uh, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Oh, I you know the we guy could go who Lindsey Graham, but oh, Lindsey Graham is also good, but I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll go through them. He's uh, also so good, Ted Cruz, in terms of how hated he is. Yeah, so Ted Cruz asked uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson her opinion about a book uh, called How to Make Anti-Racist Babies, and he's like, "Do you do you agree with this book that babies are racist?" Mind you, the book doesn't actually say that, but, like, he hammered the point, and just the sigh of having to answer that question just spoke volumes. Um, 
he also asks, can he identify as an uh, as an Asian man? He's a Latino man. Can he identify himself as an Asian man? Like, you do you, Ted Cruz. Uh, so that's the ridiculousness of Ted Cruz. Uh, Lindsey Graham? That was... That one was uh, so weird. Like, one is stupid. This one is just, like, asinine. Um, Lindsey Graham uh, asks Katanji Brown if she's religious, uh, which, you know, you're not really supposed to do. It's the whole First Amendment, like, separate church or state. And she asks, he asks, like, does she go to church every week? Um, does she like uh, Catholics, etc.? So just very icky questioning to be talking about um, things. And then uh, another senator, I think Marshall Blackburn, asked her to define what a woman is. And yeah, so it's just a lot of out-of-pocket things. But under current estimations, she is expected to pass the Supreme Court. They'll have a full hearing from the full Senate uh, sometime this week, and they'll probably have a vote on her confirmation in the next uh, week or two. Okay, but does she like beer? Huh? Does she like beer? <laughs> I don't think anyone asked her if she likes beer. Uh, but at no point did she raise her voice, scream at people, or call her political opponents, uh, uh, call people questioning her appointment political hacks, part of the George Soros uh, conspiracy theory. Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know. Things are wild. But, uh... Yes. Do you want to take a quick break oh, before we get into the really wait. heavy stuff? I have one last Supreme Court news. Oh, okay. Let's go. Uh, a current member of the Supreme Court, uh, Clarence Thomas, uh, was hospitalized briefly for an infection, yet that's not the major news topic that his name has come up in. It's been found under the investigation of the January 6th insurrection that his wife, Ginny Thomas, was, um, was a part of, uh, was, was trying to orchestrate uh, the government, the Trump administration, to overthrow the elections and to essentially overthrow American democracy. And it's notable that uh, that uh, Clarence Thomas was one of like two or three Supreme Court justices who wanted to stop uh, the January 6th investigation of happening. So, yeah. That's something. And, yeah. And, and any other uh, topics, uh, comments about this? Uh I don't know. I just always think of Clarence Thomas, and I'm like, you know, he might be a black person in the government, but I feel like he's still one of the individuals who does the most against the rights of black people. He is the most conservative member of the Supreme Court. He famously has only asked, like, two questions in his entire tenure in the Supreme Court. Um... He sexually uh, harassed uh, Anita Hill and uh, another staffer, but um, the then head of the Senate Judiciary Committee didn't want to question the second staffer. Uh, hilariously enough, the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee at that at that point in time was Joe Biden. <sighs> so, don't you love yeah. politics? Oh well, it's so great. Well, you studied <laughs> it too. <laughs> Leave me alone, Noah. <laughs> well, okay. I'll leave you alone with this break, because we're about to get into even heavier territory. Well, I don't know if it's heavier territory, but... Eh. We'll see you guys in a moment. And we're back. Alright, so... Um, what's the big current event that's happening somewhere in the world that everybody's talking about every single day? When it's not Will Smith. <laughs> Yes, I know Will Smith is a major geopolitical event, 
but <laughs> I was thinking of another one that's just a little smaller than that. Yeah, is this a nation of uh, 40 million, 30 million being invaded? Yeah, Ukraine and Russia. Yes. You know, the best buddies out there. Yep. Um, so more in Ukrainian news, Russia has admitted that it has lost over a thousand, a thousand troops. Although Ukrainian and U.S. numbers points that figure closer to anywhere between seven thousand to fourteen thousand, but Russia says it's only two thousand. So I wonder who I believe. And on top of that, uh, Russia has still failed to gain any major cities. Although, and they have actually started losing ground around Kiev. So things are going great. Um, and in fact, there are talks. There have been peace talks orchestrated uh, largely by a. Do you know the billionaire who owns Chelsea, like the football club, soccer club? Oh, uh, Roman Abramovich. Yes, apparently he's he's negotiating. There were fears he got sick today, and like a bunch of other Ukrainian uh, officials got sick today. So there are fears that him and them got poisoned, but. According to U.S. sources, it, it was just the environment being sucky. No one tried to poison them. Allegedly. Um, but yeah, so that's happening. Uh, and there's been some talk that Ukraine might accept neutrality as a condition of peace. So, like, Russia stops invi- invading them, and Ukraine promises never to ever join NATO. Um, which I don't think anyone was going to let them join NATO in the first place, but whatever. So that happened... And Biden also, in a speech in, in Poland, also said an off-the-cuff off remark that uh, Vladimir Putin should be removed from power, which is a big no-no in foreign policy when you're talking about a nuclear-armed state who's currently has propaganda that says that you want to change their way of life and stuff. Mm-hmm. And apparently half of European countries are really mad he said that. The other half are really happy he said that. And See, the, no, but the state... Well, this is the thing about it. It's, yeah, we totally agree that Putin should not be in power. But also the thing is, I live... Well, you see, let's say I'm a European, which I am, but I am living in Europe rather You're than You're triple US. European. So, so I am a person who's like in Poland and I'm like, hmm, you know... Uh, damn, he made that guy who has nuclear weapons a bit angry, and, you know, I'm just, like, not exactly his neighbor, but close enough to be, uh, well, fucked. No, actually, Poland Poland is on, on board with removing uh, Vladimir Putin. It was, uh, Germany and France were like, no, dog, we don't want to do this. Well, yeah, but the reason, I think, is not really that they don't want to get rid of him, other than to worry of a possible power vacuum, which could make things even worse, to some extent. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think the also the issue is, you just don't want to openly say, yeah, we're gonna threaten your regime, um, yeah, great powers don't threaten regime change on other great powers. It's not it's not something you do. Which is kind of as what happened with uh, Biden when he said uh, that statement basically that could be taken as regime change. Uh, the government of the U.S. is like taking a step back, saying like, uh uh we don't mean this." He uh, said that as a emotional statement, and then he's like, "Yeah." I mean it as, uh, in terms of, like, emotional need. I don't know. He said it was, like, an emotional outrage demanding. Yes. 
And also for people who don't know why uh, Ukraine Russia is so important, there's a uh, there's fallout. We talked about the uh, the largest humanitarian crisis in Europe since World War Two, with the with millions of refugees fleeing conflict in Ukraine. Um, there's also the fact that we sanctioned the hell out of Russia and Belarus, but this has impacts beyond oil prices and energy prices, which have gone up significantly um, since. Uh, but is it, do you know that the... Uh, uh, my, my question is, is it bigger than Syria now? Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, do you know that, uh, do you, did you know that uh, Russia and Ukraine are two of the largest wheat exporters in the world? I was aware of that, yes. I know. Um, which means that so, your cookies are going to be harder to get because you won't be able to get as much flour. Thankfully, it didn't happen yes. like in the middle of the pandemic while everybody was uh, baking uh, their time away. Uh, sourdough? Yeah, everybody <laughs> just started baking during the pandemic, which I find quite entertaining, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, did you also know that uh, Russia is the largest producer of fertilizer in the world? Uh, is it? I thought it was Morocco. Uh, no, I mean they're up there. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, I wasn't aware it was Russia. I thought it was Morocco, honestly, because they have a huge nitrogen supply out there in the desert. But yes, do you also know that uh, nitrogen is a uh, Russia is one of the main exporters of nitrogen, and phosphates, essentially anything that uh, things that are very helpful for growing food crops. Oh well, cool. Um. So now it's exp- uh, now it's estimated that um, that uh, millions of people could suffer through food shortages, and it would make existing uh, famines even worse. Around the world, we're talking about like famines in Africa. We're talking about rising food prices here in the United States, Europe, and all over the world. Oh well, well this is how geopolitics works. So um, you know. Everyone thought, oh, it's just a war somewhere in Europe. No, the truth is, this war is going to affect everyone. Um, yes. Because that's how it is. In a globalized world, we're, in a globalized world where our economies are all interconnected, war is not worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, doesn't stop people from trying to do war. Uh, yes. And talking about potentially dangerous regimes involving nuclear powers, North Korea uh, has successfully tested an ICBM uh, nuclear weapons delivery system that can strike the continental United States this week. Yay. And the Iran nuclear uh, talks have collapsed. So it can hit California. Yeah. Actually, I think it can hit a little bit further than California. uh, I was wondering if Alaska counted as continental, but that I remembered. No, no. it doesn't. Yeah, so... It's going to be like, what if it's only Alaska? Nah, okay. Well, fun. North Korea now has ICBMs that can hit our west coast, at least. Yep. And they're not even the biggest nuclear talk of town because the Iran nuclear uh, talks, because Trump took uh, ended the Iran nuclear deal, Iran went on to uh, restart their nuclear weapons program, and world leaders have struggled to find a solution with Iran, and now Iran is mere... A couple weeks away from having weapons-grade u- uranium. I say we should look into doing cyber warfare again and release Stuxnet 2.0. We've done that. But yes, now there are conferences in the Middle East involving the United States, Israel, and a lot of Middle Eastern countries, other Middle Eastern countries, to address the issue of Iran. Nobody likes Iran. And nobody likes Iran with nuclear weapons. 
Um, yeah, when Saudi Arabia and Israel are talking together about how to deal with Iran, you know this, you know something's something's up. Yep. Uh, well, you know what? You know what's more important than hating each other for reasons that have to do with uh, our religion? It's hating someone because the guy across the street to Hormuz is about to ruin everything on a geopolitical level again. Haha. <laughs> yep. Uh, because the issue with Iran is old, most of the oil in uh, of the world is exported out of Saudi Arabia and the countries in that Gulf. Um, and what's important is that there's a very little strait, which is a very thin area that you can access by ship between Saudi Arabia or actually the UAE and uh, Iran. And is it the Strait of Hormuz or am I thinking of another It's the Strait one? of Hormuz, yes. Okay. Which is why um, having a country right there that has the political power to threaten, you know, everyone trying to get through there and stop the whole flow of oil through the world is considered quite problematic. Yes. Actually, do you want to know how bad the oil crisis is right now? Um... Honestly, I just think it's not really even that bad. Well, I mean, it, it's, these are the highest oil prices we've ever seen in human history. And on top of that, it's so bad, it's so bad that the U.S. is buying oil from Venezuela. Okay, you know what I'm gonna say right now? It's, you yeah. know, Biden doesn't have a button that can change oil prices, which, you know, we, we have to make that clear. It's not his fault. But you know what I really think he could try to do? Maybe you should pass a bill to uh, nationalize the oil companies so they can actually start drilling rather than artificially keeping prices up in our country. <laughs> sorry. Take that, Republicans. The president can change oil prices. You'll just hate it even more. <laughs> a wartime era nationalizing oil companies. <laughs> we haven't done that since World War II. Mm-hmm. Anyways, if people keep complaining about the oil prices and blame Joe Biden for it, honestly, I want to see him just straight up say, yeah, I'm going to do a bill for that. <laughs> I, I know it would be, like, impossible. It's like, doing that in the U.S. Actually, is... I don't think it's impossible. I think he can do it. You just have to declare that the U.S. is in a state of war. Yes, um, which we aren't yet in. But, you know, uh, I just want to say... The oil prices in the U.S. are still kept artificially high for reasons. Yeah. Because this is the most open access to drilling that the that the U.S. oil companies have ever had in the U.S. And they're like, we get to drill more? Sorry, I'll pass. No, what they do is... Uh, so, this is actually an interesting thing about oil companies. Now, okay, we're going really off tangent from Ukraine, Russia, but we're discussing oil. And the oil economy is really interesting in the U.S., but basically, to drill in the U.S., you need to have rights to parcels of land, so you need to buy drilling rights. And right now, um, in the U.S., we're at a state where oil companies have access to the most oil rights and the least environmental limitations possible, ever, to just go ahead and drill wherever they drill want Drill baby to. dream. Now, the thing is, I think, like, only 10% of current oil permits are actually even used for drilling at the moment. What they're doing right now mm -hmm. is that they're just stockpiling even more permits to drill however they want later on. So basically, um, oil companies are, are... We're asking oil companies to drill more and we're trying to give them more access to oil. 
So action is being done by the government, but the reality is oil companies don't have to actually drill any of it. They're just piling up those rights, those dr uh, drilling permits, and uh, they're not actually pushing their production at all more than uh, they are because they're, they're making right now a record amount of money because the prices are so high, they don't have to drill much oil to make a lot of money, which is actually really good yeah. for them, economically speaking. Um, yeah, and when we're, when we're not, it's, it's not even just U.S. oil companies. Uh, OPEC, uh, OPEC countries aren't increasing their volume because the prices are so high. They're making, uh, they're making so much money right now, yeah. especially because no one wants to buy from Russia. Why would you uh, bake more bread if you can, uh, instead of baking a bunch of bread, just sell the same amount of bread now and make twice as much on every loaf you sell? <sighs> you know, it's just being smart. Why do more work for... To like sell something for less value. So now the reality is oil prices are high partially because of the war. The war caused it to go up, but the reality is um, oil is. The, the reality is that the US, if we were really in a situation where we needed to have access to oil, we are actually capable of providing enough energy to the whole country with no issues with our current infrastructure, and we just have not. At all, the reality is that we have not okay, ramped up our production. That's a little bit too far. Okay, that's a little bit too Maybe far. Maybe not. We don't have the. We also have different types of oil, so like we can't even domestic oil can't power everything we need, and I don't think we have the storage system or the refineries possible. That, that the US is hasn't true. Built any new refineries in like 40, 50 years. That is true, but the reality is. Um, if we had to, it would be possible for the U.S. to be energy independent. I don't think that, again, I think the statement's a little bit too strong because they're traded as global commodities. So, like, and like I said, we don't have the right type of oil for all applications. So regardless, we would have to, we would have to borrow. Yeah. Uh, we would have to uh, import oil from other countries that have, are the right types for our use. Yes. We could be energy independent if we had fully renewable energy and an electricized economy, like a fully electric economy. Yeah. That would be energy independence. Anyways, also we could reduce the price of oil in the country, um, but there's a economic reason as to why the price is going up beyond just not enough oil. The reality is actually... Oh, you want to know about another weird government thing that can happen? You don't have to nationalize oil. The, the if you declare like a state of emergency you can set caps of the price of oil if you're the president you know honestly why doesn't he even just propose that and then have everyone be like yeah reduce the oil um i know it would because anger they're gonna so call him a commie people, but they'll call him a commie well, shit, also, you guys want, think, you guys blame the president for bringing up the price of oil, yet then you start criticizing him for being a fucking socialist because he is reducing the price by forcing regulation to bring the price down? Yeah, there's a, it's, just, it's just a no-win scenario. You know what? Just shove the middle finger in their face and do the fucking socialist thing. I don't care. 
I actually don't mind. If uh, I mean, yes, it sucks. And uh, so oil prices being high makes everything cost more money because everything needs to be transported. So that makes inflation worse. And we're already in a high inflation zone. And that just makes supply chains even worse. But in the long term, I think this is cognizant to the fact that we need to get off of our oil. Yeah, actually, dependence. I want to say there's a lot of good coming out of this that uh, people are not seeing. First off, um, people driving less. And I think people driving less is always a good thing because, you know, people uh, might use the bike more and stuff. And, you know, great for your health. Actually, that's great for a lot of people's health and great for using less fuel and stuff. So that's already a big plus. Um, yeah, people it are also now forces to people realize, to buy smaller cars. Hey, we should uh, start, you know, relying on more renewable sources. Of, is it, we should start using more... Re- renewable sources of energy um elon musk right now is having the time of his life where everyone suddenly wants a tesla more than before um i'm guessing i don't know i'm not really saying that's a win but i just thought of that off the top of my head yeah no it's it's forcing investment into a smaller cars that use less energy than like your suvs and on top so which actually helps improve the environment and it forces more development towards renewable energy because you're going to keep having these issues. And also, I know I could be, uh, well, I could be, I could, people could see me as being extremely vocal right now where I'm calling for, well, not exactly the nationalizing of oil. It was more just a thought that popped into my head that I find incredibly entertaining if it were to happen. But um, I would just like to say, I barely drive myself at the moment because I don't have to. So I've actually not been affected all that badly by the oil price. Um it's just that, you know, I still think that it's stupid that the price is going up because, well, I understand why, from an economic standpoint, why companies in the U.S. like don't care and uh, want to keep the price high. But, you know, as a person from a country that is being affected by this issue, yeah, bring the price down, please. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, I don't. You don't travel much. I don't have a car because I use public transportation or I bike around. So we don't feel the first order effects. So the direct price of gasoline doesn't really affect us, but it does affect like the prices of everything else. Like we talk about the fact that food is getting more expensive. You also Amazon need trucks Prime to transport will that now food. cost more money. Yes. Um. So like it's like as everything's connected. So it's a major problem. Oh well. Yeah. Right. I don't know. That's the issue. Do we have good news? Do we have good news? Uh, Any good news? Good news? Do I have good news? Uh, I was going to say... Oh, I think... Uh, have you heard of the Belarus soldiers that are actually um, helping Ukraine? Belarusian soldiers are committing treason? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, if you guys just want to know... Yeah, people are starting to get tired of all this war stuff, so... You know, people committing treason... Well... I am hoping that in history it will be considered to be the right side, and I'm pretty confident it will be considered the right side of history. Well, considering uh, Russia's committing war crimes, I think if you're against Russia right now, you're on the good side of history. Yes. Um, now let's hope it like, doesn't end up being Russia somehow takes over the world and rewrites history to their own liking. But uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's very unlikely to happen, and by that I mean impossible. Well, yeah. So anyways... Uh, yeah, it's just good news. People are uh, starting to uh, realize, hey, uh, I'm going to try to be on the right side of history. But you know what would be even better news? If we didn't have that war. 
But yeah. Oh, wow. I think that, um, all right, so, uh, do you want to take a I break to, uh, before we get into this? No. Oh, okay. No, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have another topic after this. I think to end the show, I'm going to read, uh, Will Smith's apology, uh, that he released. Um, you know, just because I, th- just I re- because I think the last line is, uh, reflective of what we need. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll read, I'll read the whole statement. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The only problem is that whenever I think of Will Smith, the first thing that comes to mind is um him in the YouTube Rewind. It's like, <laughs> ah, I, I don't know what it does, but it just like goes like, ah, and then he like starts pointing at something or whatever, like the battle bus in the telescope. And I'm just imagining that's like how he starts his speech. I don't know. I can't get that image out of my head. Okay. It's stuck. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Random thing that just came to okay. mind. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna close. We're gonna close. Uh, close it off. Violence in all its forms is poisonous and destructive. Uh, my behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job, but a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. I'd like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed, uh, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. And that's our show this week. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty decent apology. Yep. Live in a world of love and kindness. Say no to violence uh, in all its forms. Can I still, like, insult my friends for the sake of it? Because it's fun. Sure. Anyways, (laughs) thank you guys for listening to this episode. Sorry if it felt rushed or whatever i like i said i'm moving packing and you haven't eaten dinner Noah yet and, I and are, me i haven't eaten dinner Noah and i are both really hungry yeah okay uh, i'm about to go make some food so <laughs> so yeah so we love you guys Li- oh, subscribe listen follow us on instagram and the social media and uh, we'll see you guys next episode you know what and also if you guys can do this because why not just tweet some good news to uh our twitter account oh no just just send something <laughs> yeah. positive please <laughs> <laughs> all right peace out all right see you guys